All Things in the Name of Love, with your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 50, The Power of I Don't Know, with Worthy Stokes. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Worthy Stokes, who had a near-death experience when she was 34, and now she is an amazing spiritual guide and shares her wisdom and shares the wisdom of her team to help people awaken to who they really are. And I'm just so super stoked to have you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what life was like before you had your experience and then some of the dramatic changes that happened after. Hmm. So I've always been a really connected person and spirituality has been a really important part of my life for a very long time, really as long as I can remember. So before my near-death experience, I had spent a lot of time focusing on meditation. So I started meditating seriously in 2008. And it was really something that I started to do because I had, I had met Dr. Candace Pert, who is no longer with us. And she at the time was doing a lot of really amazing research on the immune system and the sentient nature of the body and was really one of the early individuals to start to make the connection between sentient intelligence and spiritual intelligence and somatic intelligence. Mm. And when I say that, I mean in the West, in the United States, because obviously these are things that have been understood in many, many cultures since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. But in the West, it was not yet very common. It certainly Mm -hmm. wasn't as common as it is now. And so I was really interested in neuroscience. I was really interested in meditation, the brain, the mysticism. And that was pretty true before my NDE. But I think, and I've shared this in other interviews, when I had my NDE, I'd given up the quest. I'd sort of, yeah, that's what's so funny about mine is that I had 
my first psychic reading when I was in utero. Okay. My mom is an artist and had was an Edgar Casey person. You know, I grew up in Unity Church. Oh, awesome. And there was a lot of there were a lot of conversations about auras and so energy was normal. Okay. Auric fields were normal. Ghosts were normal. So, you know, I I was really in that world. And I guess in many ways, I have the inverse story of so many people because for me personally, while I hear a lot of individuals talk about kind of wanting to get closer to the spiritual world, in my particular case, that was my world. And I was trying to make sense of the material. I was trying to make sense of the life. I was trying to make sense of physical reality. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it's, it's, it's a different perspective. And given that you're surrounded in this realm where you're already connected, trying to get back into, okay, what, why do I have this body? How do I interrelate with everything? It makes sense. Because right. if that's all you're exposed to, how can you relate with anything else? Right. So I was in this kind of cocoon for most of my childhood wow. where my parents were very supportive of things that are unseen. So my father's work was in wilderness and wilderness policy. And he's, he's really the most Buddhist non-Buddhist I've ever met. And then my mother is an artist and, and she was very much in that spiritual space. So when I became a teenager and I really had to start to individuate, right? Because we start to participate more in the world as ourselves and we start to grow up. And it took me a really long time to figure out the point, you know, what was the point of getting a job? What was the point of the life that I was, I was coming at it from being very spiritually connected, which is so funny to me. So when I had my NDE, I'd actually reached a powerful transformation point where I'd given up trying to understand. And I thought, you know what? This is a useless quest. <laughs> I'm here. I mean, I tried everything, you know, I tried, good gosh, you know, I'd been to psychics. I'd lived with a shaman. I had, you name it. I tried it. The only thing that I haven't tried is ayahuasca. Okay. And It'll be interesting to see whether plant medicine ever becomes something that I feel connected with because of my NDE being so powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't want at this point, I wouldn't want anything to eclipse the power of that. Mm -hmm. So in 2014, I had done so many different things and it had led me down one rabbit hole after another, after another, after another, after another. And I thought, I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting my life falling into rabbit holes. And if presence is really what I want, which it was, and if this life is really what I want, and it was, then I need to buckle down and I need to go back to my journalism degree. I need to go back to my journalism career. I need to get back into storytelling and just give up the quest. And 
the story is that I went to Korea because I wanted to restart my journalism career. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to write a book about tea. So I had this idea that I would write this book and I would travel and do research. And I have a background in journalism and I'm also trained as a photographer. Okay. So I thought I will photograph and write about tea from Japan all the way to London and go from east to west. And that was my big idea. And I thought I'd apply to graduate school. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to have a very normal life. (laughs) This nonsense is over. All of this searching is over. There will be no more interesting stuff. I just want dull, mundane projects. And then I had been in Seoul for two weeks when I got hit by a van and had the most transformative spiritual experience of my life, which was the ultimate rabbit hole. Yeah. (laughs) And then I decided to come back. So I had a choice to, to come back to my body. I decided to come back into my life. and. That was before. So before I was on a quest that was really, in retrospect, a powerful trajectory of a kind of spiritual dissociation. I mean, this constant rejection of the life in exchange for the ultimate holy grail of mystical intelligence, Mm -hmm. which I wanted so badly that I was willing to do anything to get to it. On the other side of my NDE, there is no quest. I have my answer. There's nowhere to go. I'm there. I'm here. I'm never not there. And the great mystery and the great fantastic alchemical beauty is this body and is today and is tomorrow and is me getting to talk with you. And there's nowhere to go because I have no desire to be anywhere other than right here. That is so beautiful. And that is such, I think that's the longing of so many people is to be that fully present state and to be connected at the same time, because that's when you're enlightened. And I'm fascinated at the roads that people take. And I will use myself as an example because I've had these really fascinating conversations over the past month where I get to see all these different spiritual disciplines. And I come from an academic background. And so I want to go explore. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yesterday I was sitting and I was journaling and my higher self said to me, just sit and do the work. I was like, oh, I mean, I can't, I can't, but I want to, I want to, like, because I just love learning. And my curiosity just gets me all the time because it goes from curiosity to obsessive compulsive. And then I go down the rabbit holes, like you said. Mm. And my higher self is saying, you have it within you. Mm. Oh, you mean I can't? No, you can't. Just listen. So I think that's a quest that a lot of people have is because we feel that there's something else and the something else is just being open to that surrender of above and below as within as Mm -hmm. without. And so having that intimate knowledge of before and after, what would you say, barring a near-death experience, would be a 
a tip to help people get in that space more, more gently. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a great, that's the question of my life. You know, that's the question. That's my work. That's my work now. Because I think be- because I really lived that deep, deep yearning, mm-hmm. I feel an extraordinary compassion for that deep, deep yearning. Mm-hmm. I respect the power of that yearning, the power of that longing. I also think that living in the West, you know, in the United States, we're so disconnected from each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's making the longing even deeper. Mm-hmm. We don't have language for this. So we have a lot to kind of push up against, right? In that quest to reconcile the body and the invisible, the soul, the soma and the soul, as I like to say, you know, where can we breathe on that bridge? It's a challenge. So it's, and it's a challenge that I respect so deeply. And I have spent most of my waking hours since coming back trying to answer the question that you just asked me. And I probably will never stop trying to get better at answering the question. Sometimes I can answer it and sometimes I can't. Sometimes the words are there, sometimes they're not. I'm very learner-led too, you know, so I'm very aware that each of us has a very different codex and a very different perception of reality. And so I, I do everything I possibly can to meet an individual where that person truly is rather than kind of superimposing my own thought. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about our conversation this morning and I guess I'll start with what I felt when I, when I had no body and no life and no time mm-hmm. and no name. And I had this unique experience of sensing myself as primordial consciousness without identity Mm. without name, without structure, without, without the temporal frame. And then beside it, I could also sense simultaneously the experience of worthy Stokes as having an identity and having a temporal frame and a life. And I could sense both of these things. And I realized that I could choose. Which one did I want? Did I want to be the no thing, which was beautiful and exquisite and infinite and all the things that I can't explain in language? It was a ribbon of infinity. I could be a ribbon of infinity forever. Or I could choose this temporary temporal experience with this slight imprint of individuation. And the best way to to sort of describe it is it's almost like being able to see this life as a sculpture. I've described it in one conversation as a sandcastle. It's very creative. It's when I came back, everything felt to me like I was walking through this little 3D thing, you know, like I would sort of touch bushes and (laughs) I was like really (laughs) excited. And 
the reason I share that is because I chose to come back to this life and this experience as myself, because getting to discover myself is the great privilege. Mm. And that is the great privilege that we all have. And as I like to say on a lighter note, (laughs) I can't hug when I'm just a ribbon of infinity. I can't grow a flower as a ribbon of infinity. Mm -hmm. Think about you could sit down and you could write a list all day. It would take you, you would never stop. Just write down everything you can't do if you are a cloud. Right. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want to be a cloud. I actually, and I, I said, I thought, well, that's really boring. Yeah. Why would I just float around when I could, I have a choice for whatever reason. I have a choice right now and I'm going to go back and I am going to find out who Worthy Stokes will be and who I will become and what can I build and what will remain. And the, the invisible no longer seduced me. The ribbon of infinity was no longer seductive. What became the great, rich experience of my life was having hands and eyes and feet and giving someone a hug and driving a car and walking next to a river and hearing music. And I would go to the orchestra and I would sit there looking banana pants, but I mean, I would just be weeping and weeping and weeping because I have ears. Yeah. Because that is, it is such a fascinating thing that we are given these senses, this body. And I, I was born uh, with a dislocated hip and I was in a body cast for 18 months. I can walk. I can walk really well. I can do Pilates. I can swim. Mm-hmm. And especially when the gym's open, <laughs> it's just not right now, but, but, you know, these are things that I do not take for granted because I know what I could have had. And so the mere fact that my legs are even, that I don't limp, that I can wiggle my toes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a shift when you step back and, and realize what a gift our bodies truly are. I mean, they heal each, they, they heal themselves. And each other. And each other. Yeah. It's. It's amazing. There aren't, this is, I, I try, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, I, I really do know that it's hard and I try to maintain a deep awareness and regard for the aspect of me that lived before this awareness. Mm-hmm. There is no greater instrument. There is no greater instrument mm. than us. We have consciousness, we have mystical presence built into ourselves. We have the quality of your soul is alive in every one of your cells. And to go back to what you asked me is this question of, okay, what do you, what do you do with that really is the easiest way I can try to express this 
fantastic, beautiful, miraculous thing is imagine a clock on a wall. You have a clock on a wall. And none of us knows how long the life we have will last. But you have X number of minutes to be Erica. Mm -hmm. It is finite. There is a soul that is you that is infinite and transcends time and space. However, there is a finite number of minutes that you get to embody the creature that is Erica. Mm -hmm. And the question becomes, what will you do if you know that you have this one opportunity to be Erica and you don't know when the clock on the wall is going to fall and you don't know when the portal will open and you don't know when you will become the infinite thing. So while you're awake and you're aware of yourself and you have hands and you have eyes and you have feet and you have a heart beating and you have a cognitive thinking feeling brain that is computing and you have a breath that is your bridge between both of these worlds, what are you going to do with your time? You have X number of hours. That's it. I can't tell you anything else. It is the only mystical truth I can tell you because it is all I can say for sure because after seeing what I saw and experiencing what I experienced, I am well aware of how little I know. <laughs> and, and what a marvelous, humbling thing. And, and what's so fascinating is that we think, we think, and I do understand it. I've, I've, I understand it. We trick ourselves into thinking that the unseen is more real. It is superior. But it is not. The thing that is so fleeting, the thing that is so rare, the thing that is so miraculous and so unique is your life and the privilege that you get to make something of this life. Mm. So if I were to really drill it down, it would be very carpe diem. (laughs) 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 No? so gorgeous. I didn't want to stop you. Yeah, it's special. I mean, it's it's really special. It's really special. It's and I really appreciate being able to share this because it is it's the greatest privilege in the world to have my life and not be trying to run from my life mm-hmm. and to be in my life so completely. Yeah, is something I never imagined I would experience like this. It's really beautiful. Just like pausing for that because it's so, so amazing. Were you shown at any point why we have these thoughts that limit us into recognizing this divine opportunity that we have on this planet? Well, I think that's not a very mystical answer. My answer is not very mystical. My answer is we get conditioned. You know, I happened, I happened to have parents 
who encouraged me to be an empathetic creature, mm-hmm. connected with my extrasensory awareness. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has that. That is mm-hmm. extraordinary, right? So I, and at the same time, you know, I think my my limiting belief or my limiting thought pattern was the soul is superior. This life is inferior to the soul, to consciousness. Mm -hmm. What I now understand is that consciousness isn't everything. So I think that it's just what we do. It's just part of being a human being. And some of us, I think, are truly driven. I don't know what it's like to be anyone other than myself. I can say that I have always wanted to know where the border of the mind is, where the border of the soul is, where is the border? How far can I go? I don't know if everyone's like that. I have been an inner space explorer for a long time and I've always wanted the freedom of of my mind Mm -hmm. so I think that's unique so I think we happen to be in environments that condition us Mm -hmm. and then some of us have a moment where there's some awareness that says I have a choice. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to a kind of expedition of what does that mean? And how do I choose differently? And what choices do I have? And I think it's part of being human. I don't, I'm very cautious about bringing knowledge back. I see, before I came back, I, was very clear that I wanted to bring the light back. I wanted to bring the luminosity back. I wanted to bring the thing that I could not translate back Mm -hmm. because the mysterious alchemical luminosity that I couldn't translate the primordial consciousness was for me, the Holy grail. Mm -hmm. So for people, I get a lot of questions about, well, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? And my answer is very often, well, what do you think? And what do you want to think? And have you tested it? And do you feel connected with it? And if you don't, are you brave enough to choose differently? Are you brave enough to open a different door? Takes a hell of a lot of courage. Yeah, I know. I I started my my quest as a kid of knowing that I wasn't separate. I knew it. Mm. I was Mm. with animals and plants and everything. And then I was taught that I was And I spent an entire academic career exploring the nuances of separation because it never made sense to me. It's like, why is there an other? This doesn't make sense. And then when I couldn't continue academically because there isn't (laughs) enough theory, I went spiritually. And whatever separation I have that drives me is within Mm -hmm. because there is no separation. And that's, that's what I've learned in my quest is because I can talk to plants now. I have a tree that gives me guidance. I walk dogs for a friend and she says they're, they're missing me because we're in quarantine right now. 
which I'm not going to get into, but we're are in quarantine. <laughs> and she said they every day they look for me because they know how much I love them. And they know I talk to them. They know I understand them. So I know I'm not separate. So, so it's this, we come in from my experience to remember what we've forgotten in terms of Knowing that I'm a divine being, I'm part of the primordial consciousness in a physical body. And to celebrate that, to honor that, to recognize that this is an amazing gift that I have that not everybody gets. I mean, on this planet they do, but like on other planes of consciousness, they might not be physical. So we have this opportunity to really embody that and so the other point i want to bring in is i love 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 (laughs) so when i learned cultural theory it was like okay i have to recognize my socioeconomic biases and recognize that that's going to influence me well that's just blown exponentially out because my life experience is unique to me. Your life experience is unique to you. And we're so conscious as, of that, it, that all we can do is share what we know from our own perspectives. And it's just so delightful. <laughs> because that way, I can just learn from you, from your experiences, not from anything you're telling down from a mount or something. And that's mm-hmm. such a gift. Mm-hmm. I'm, gl- I'm glad that with your background, you also have that kind of training, which is so special. It's really, really special. All of my years, I think, as a journalist, all of my experiences interviewing and, and trying to, well, really training myself to cultivate a, a perspective that can took into consideration my socioeconomic background. And then practicing removing it, right? Mm-hmm. To be to become a deep listener, to to really break myself of the habit of projecting my identity onto another human being. Mm-hmm. It's I'm so grateful that I have that training. Yeah. Because it really as a meditation teacher, it really gives me an enormous amount of space to teach mm-hmm. from a very different position. And I can really listen to not my own voice, but I can listen to what someone else is experiencing and I can hear where people are and I can hear, I can hear differently. It's a very interesting thing. So that training is so valuable yeah. as just, just being a human being. It's a valuable training. I don't think that I really appreciated it so deeply until after my accident and after the NDE, because that was really the first time in my life where I had this physical condition and I was really subjected to a lot of people's ideas of, of who I was and who I would be and who I am. 
and it infuriated me. It felt like such a violation to my soul. And I just thought, don't you understand the great freedom that is me? Don't you understand the great freedom that is you? Don't you understand the great freedom that is within? How dare you? How dare you box me into a shape mm-hmm. that you can imagine based on your life? And so it was good for me to experience that. I was already very aware of it, but it was also very good to, it, it keeps me focused, you know, as someone who is becoming more visible and having a new book and all this stuff, it really keeps me focused on, for me, the power of I don't know. I sent, mm-hmm. I did some writing this morning about the power of I don't know, the power of saying I do not know. Mm-hmm. And I am here for the mystery because we want these answers so badly because we think that they're going to give us security and stability and they're going to protect us from pain and anguish and suffering. And I can tell you that I do things. My timing is banana pants. But I think it's because so much of my practice right now and has been since my NDE is, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind because of lived. <laughs> it's so great because you know what? The minute that I say that, you know, if I'm in, if I'm with a client or if I'm in a difficult situation or the minute I say, I have no idea what's going on. It's the minute that the brain can say, Oh, well, what can I do? What is, what is going on? What it's, it's, it liberates the system to actually connect with the mystery in real time in a way that's actually alchemical. Whereas instead of, or whereas if I were standing there saying, well, this is happening because of karma, or this is happening because of fill in the blank. I don't know. There could be a hundred thousand different spiritual beliefs. I just got rid of all that shit. I did. That's so awesome. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, I can say, I have no idea what's going on and I have an opportunity to take action in this next moment. So what action am I going to take? Because why for me, I don't know if it is for you. I don't know if it is for other people, but why for me is a rabbit hole that, and and my clock is on the wall. I have a clock on the wall. Am I going to spend it? Am I going to spend my hours here staring at a wall thinking why, why, why? Or it was probably a past life. I don't know. I, don't, I didn't see any past lives in my NDE people. Like I have no idea. Like 90% of what people talk about now in spiritual teachings. I, I'm like, what? I have no idea. I've, I do not, doesn't compute. Right. Which is pretty amazing because then you're not, tethered, you're not tethered to anything, which is actually really helpful because I, you know, with an academic background, man, I can go from curious down a rabbit hole in like five minutes and I watch myself and I've, I've caught myself because I know this about me. I know that I have a very well honed brain that did cultural theory and wow, it loves to go down holes. Mm-hmm. And and I can 
I have, I don't do this anymore because that, that isn't me anymore. But in my peak, I could find anything that people set me on a quest for. And that would deny my body food and water and peeing. Mm -hmm. But damn it, I was going to find it. That's not me. That's my brain pushing me into the why. And when I get out, I'd forget where I parked my car. I'd forget where I was staying for the night. And it was it was really unhealthy, but it was mm -hmm. like this drive of, of this part of me that had to get to the bottom. And I spent years doing that. And mm. I'm mm. grateful that I now know that that's not really important. And I'm also grateful for the opportunity to know that that was something that I had to go through to get to where I am now. Hmm. That's really beautiful. And I think there is space and time for a good hunger and it changes shape for all of us. I think what I love the most about my life now is how utterly boring it is. <laughs> I have the most boring life ever and I love it. I love it. You know, it's just, there's no quest. There's no, there's, there's presence. There's presence with, with what is it's, it's, it's a different kind of inquiry, I guess. It's more, it goes back to the sandcastle, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, what was it with you? What stopped kind of the search? Was there something significant that happened or was there a moment or did it naturally dissolve? The last time I, I stopped doing research in 2005. No, wait, when was it? When did I start doing this? It's 2.20 now. Yeah, I'm drawing a blank. When did we move out here? So 2015 is when I stopped doing it. Mm. And it was because I'd done a super fun site, try to find who dumped what where research. And I just got, mm. I got so depressed. Mm. Like somebody actually dumped stuff in water and I swam in a lake that was man-made. And what was in the water? I swam, like it just went down that road. And I was like, I don't want to know. Mm because that's just ruining my childhood memories. Mm. And I just found out that it probably would ruin a whole bunch of other people's childhood memories of swimming in this lake because there's toxic. And like, and it was just, it was like mm -hmm. such a horrible trauma to my soul that I was like, I can't do this anymore because I found it. And I found all the stuff that I didn't want to know. And so I stopped doing it. And I, I did a research project for a book this fall. And I felt, I felt exhausted from doing the research because my body was mm. not do anymore. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have a PhD. Yes, you have this skill set. Don't do this anymore. This is not you anymore. Mm. And so I sprayed myself with cedar and sage and got got obsidian and like i i got you were like peace out i was so this, I, I totally, this gig is over because it was just like, i actually because i can feel the energy yeah, of right. all of all the people who gave their belongings to the museum and they were and they were like oh cool somebody feels us we can just glom onto her and i was like i can't do this anymore because this this is too draining on the empath that i am 
to be able to do this for me. And so since then, it's like a podcast. I like my podcast. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You know, so sometimes it self-resolves, you know, yeah. I had a very similar experience that, I mean, that's why I left journalism originally is because I did a project overseas and I just couldn't bear it. I just couldn't fathom it. And that's why it, I left the field. And that's why it took me a little while to get back to it. And I thought writing a book about tea would be very humdrum. And then it would have been, <laughs> it would have been, it would have been, but I ended up writing a book about meditation instead, which is also pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty, pretty fantastic. Mm. I'm pretty excited about that. Is it launched yet? Yes. Oh, awesome. It's pre-order has started and it goes on sale and starts shipping out May 5th. Wow. And what is it called? It's called The Daily Meditation Book of Healing. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. mm. That's pretty great. I thought since some of my interviews are, are happening now and some of them are in a few months, but I thought I could do... I pulled up today's entry, which I just really, really love. I love this. Right. <laughs> Someone... I want to hear it. Yeah, it's really, it's really fun reading this now. The daily one? Yeah, it's a daily one. So there's one. Oh. Yeah. So this one, so March 26th is called Ride the Waves. Mm. Ride the Waves. To live a compassionate life, take the time to ride the waves of change as they come. Press forward with enduring hope in spite of your doubts, the quietude that is ever present beneath the surface of emotion is a refuge in any given tempest. The capacity to face our circumstances with real courage is less about the annihilation of doubt and more about the choice to trust your inner vision. Gather up the goodness you understand and shore up your radiant faith. Ride the waves home to your truest self. Mmm. Mmm. That's such a beautiful meditation and the energy that's imbued in it. I felt it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Empath, so I'm going to feel it. <laughs> good that's really great to hear because it was really important to me as I was writing this I really everything I do everything I do there's a real a real effort I make to impress upon what I produce this transmission or this mm -hmm. wish it's a wish really it's a wish more than anything else it's a wish for you know, it's like that, that prayer, you know, may we, may you be healthy. May you be happy. May you be safe. May you be at ease with this life. May you have the courage. May you access inner freedom so that it translates into outer freedom. May you have 
the ability to stay the course. Mm. Whatever that means for you. Mm. Whatever that means for you and your love and your art and your work and your presence and your death. You know, I mean, it's also just a wish. If I could give any gift in the world, I think I would give the gift of the absolute ability or the confirmation of, or I'm not sure I even have the words, but it's every one of us has at least one original dream, I think, in us Mm -hmm. that longs to come forth as a creative act, as the great creative act. And maybe that's a child, maybe that's a job, maybe that's a project, maybe that's a book, maybe that's a journey. I don't know. But whatever that thing is that comes from the space that is so intimately between you and your soul, I wish everyone in this life could live that out. Because I'm living mine out and it's the most spectacular thing. And it hasn't been because of anything other than I've just refused to, to quit. Mm. So beautiful, honey. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So I just get a little note saying that the connection is unstable because technology we've lasted this long. It's been amazing. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, that's really good. So before it cuts out, uh, how can people find you? Right. That's a great question. So my website is worthystokes.com, my name. And you can hop onto bookstores and websites and find my book, The Daily Meditation Book of Healing. And listen to this podcast, I guess. (laughs) That would be good. (laughs) Yeah. Mostly, you know, I have some things that I do online and right now I'm writing a lot and teaching. And you can also find me on Insight Timer Mm. where my heart mind meditations are always available for free. Beautiful. Which is really important to me. So there's one for reducing anxiety. There's one for self-healing. There's one for life purpose. So Insight Timer, yeah, you can find me on Insight Timer at my website, worthystokes.com or wherever books are sold. I feel like that's what people say, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So thank you so, so much. It is such an honor to have you on the show. And I'm so very grateful for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Same. Same. It's really cool. This moment will never come for us again. It's true. Today will never come again. Thank you, fire engines. (laughs) I know, right? Very, very apropos. (laughs) Some good sound. Some good sound notes sound, yay. <laughs> thanks guys oh uh, yeah so much you're welcome i really appreciate your time too and thanks for asking the questions and you know drawing it out of me 
We get to live our lives by interacting with people who draw our lives out of us, Mm -hmm. which is cool. It's cool. So I really appreciate you too. Thank you. The action item of the week is to tune in and see how you can apply the concept of I don't know. For me, this is a bit challenging because my brain absolutely loves to go dig and find stuff. So this is a challenge for myself as well. So instead of saying, I'll go find that now, I will say to myself, I don't know. And then get quiet and listen for an answer. I challenge you to do this the same a couple times and see how you do. That's it for the week. Until next week, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go.